Welcome to the Community of Broken Spirit podcast. We are a group of people who unwittingly became a community when we found ourselves together in a business. Through years of meeting and working together, we, from different church backgrounds, discover just what it takes to love one another, what and all. As God empowered us to comprehend His incredible love, we found ourselves more and more distant from the institutional church, finding it somewhat consumed, preoccupied, and quite removed from the lives we live. It was not exactly a healthy place to be in for us and for our families. We return to his simple gospel, to know God, to be loved, and to love one another. Perhaps this place may inspire some that us before, who inadvertently found themselves without a life or church to desire after him again. Each season, we will be sharing stories of our members, sharing the raw, unedited journey of how we came to find Christ and what our lives look like today. We hope by sharing our stories, we can inspire others to avoid the mistakes we made and encourage each other to keep going. Hi there, welcome to today's episode. Today, this episode is the eighth and the final one for the season four. We will continue on with Sarah's story and how her life and death experience spurred her into action. If you are new to this podcast, I will suggest you go back to the episode one so you can have a whole lot better experience for this story and journey. Now, let's dive into today's episode. My second near-death experience. I was late for work and speeding from the east to Jurong, the industrial town in the west. I lost control of my car. It spun round and round, finally mounting the center divider, hitting a very tall lamppost which slowly went down. Very neatly, I must say. The car landed on its side in the middle of the divider, together with the lamppost, not blocking the heavy traffic on Jalan Ahmad Ibrahim on the right and on the left. In those few split seconds, or maybe a minute, it was crazy in the car. I felt the seatbelt inertia kick in, gripping my body tightly as the world inside turned upside down. My life played before me in an instant, a black and white movie on super fast forward. This is my second near-death experience. The first time I saw that black and white movie was when I nearly drowned when I was about 10 years old. Seeing Jesus face to face. I felt as if time had frozen. In those split seconds, I suddenly saw Jesus. Here I was talking to Jesus, my soul outside somewhere quite bright, while we were both looking at my body, which was still in the spinning car. Seeing Jesus, I kind of figured out that my time is up. I asked him, it's time to go, isn't it? He was very calm and very quiet. I confess, I know I've not been a good Christian Lord, not going to church, refusing to preach the gospel, so if I cannot go with you to heaven, it's okay. Now, this is Principal Sarah speaking. Jesus let out a gentle sigh. Oh, Sarah, he said. Of course, 
I will still take you with me. But look who you would leave behind. I turned around, aware that my body could not have done so, as it was held very tightly in the seat of the car. I saw my father, my mother, all my siblings, my best friend, and my boyfriend. You'll never see them or be with them again, Jesus said softly. I panicked. I know exactly what Jesus meant. Because of my stubborn beliefs and principles, they'll never hear the good news, never know that Jesus is real, never will I see them again, ever. Can you give me another chance? I asked the Lord, humbly pleading now. The next thing I knew, I was back in the car. People were shouting. There was smoke coming out of the engine. They, they said to quickly get out in case it catches fire or explode. I was very calm. I unstrapped myself and looked around for my shoes, which had come off, and my work bag. They pulled me out of the car. I called my boyfriend, who arrived just before the ambulance came, to take me to the hospital. He was stunned. He had thought it was just a minor car accident as I spoken to him rather calmly. You are very lucky to be alive, he said. Hallucinating or what? Maybe I was just hallucinating. You know, it happens in trauma, I thought to myself, hours after I went home from the hospital. I did not suffer any injuries, just some bruising on the shoulder, where the seatbelt has helped me tight, and a split skirt. I told my boyfriend about seeing Jesus. He was from a staunch Buddhist family. He told me not to read too much into it. I was pensive, unsure, and tried not to think too much about it as advice. But my mother was dying. She has late stage diabetes. Her kidneys and heart were failing. I had to inject insulin into her every morning and evening. The doctor said she was on borrowed time. She could die any time and she, he gave her at most six months to live. It was only two or three days later after my accident that tragic news broke at the office. See, one of my audit seniors was holidaying with her husband John in Canada. Names are changed for their privacy. They had met with a car accident. Her husband died. They were married for only over a year. At his memorial service in Singapore, she shared her encounter with Jesus with some, some of us. And this is what I recall. Si was raised in Malaysia to a staunch Taoist family that sells incense and offerings to Chinese gods, while he was a Roman Catholic. Watching an evangelistic program on TV during the trip, in a moment of love, she offered to be a Christian. He told her not to. Convert only if she believes, not for him. Brought to the hospital chapel in Calgary, where his body lay, she wailed out loud a few times. This is not John. He's not in there. She despaired and cried, Where are you, John? She could not understand why God would take away an honourable believer while the sinful, unbelieving her is spared death. Suddenly, she saw a vision in the chapel. There was John standing next to Jesus. Jesus is very tall, whereas John is very short. Jesus had his arm over John's shoulder. Both were a picture of calm and perfect peace. It was her moment of truth. Seeing Jesus with her beloved John sealed her decision to follow Jesus. I was stunned. Maybe I did see Jesus after all. Rebirth and Ravenous. C and I were reborn that moment. 
We were both so hungry for God and we started seeking Him everywhere. We attended Bible studies, talks, church and cell groups many times a week in the evening after work and during weekends. She introduced me to a Thursday Ladies Fellowship held by her ex-boss, Boon, who taught me how to read the Bible incisively like a lawyer, as she was involved in the writing up of regulations in the banking industry. I'm so thankful for the early years spent here, which helped establish a strong foundation in the Word of God. Salvation of loved ones. Borrowed time. I was desperate for my mother to know God as a life was ticking away as she reached the end-stage renal failure from diabetes. I begged Jesus to extend her borrowed time and not to let her pass on without a chance to know him. I started sharing with her what I learned about Jesus and sharing with her testimonies that I heard and all about the miracles that Jesus did every morning before I went to work. Ye and your household shall believe. I clung on to the promise in the Bible that my entire family, my best friends and my boyfriend, all of whom Jesus showed me in the car accident, shall be saved. God is ever faithful. Seven months into her illness, she had already lived a month more than the expected borrowed time the doctor had given her. Boon and Si then led my mother to Christ at the hospital. Boon was shaking as this was the first time she had preached to a dying person and led the sinner's prayer in Teochew, our native dialect. Not only that, as we left the hospital for a nearby mall, my, one of my sisters, the one who challenged me to kill myself, also asked Boon to lead her into accepting Christ as a saviour. Three days later, my mother passed on. My father's mourning. One person I thought who was impossible to save is my father. However, what Jesus promised would come to pass. Three days after my mother's funeral, my father collapsed at home. He was put on the dangerously ill list after we admitted him to the hospital. As it was late in the night, the doctors say they could only run x-rays and tests in the morning to figure out what was wrong. Only one visitor was allowed at his bedside. I sat next to his bed, crying and pleading with God for help. In between my tears, I saw two Chinese mythical demon spirits come with chains in their hands to take him away to Hades. I pleaded with God for mercy. Jesus came again. He took the chains of my father and told those demon spirits, This one is mine. And they left my father reluctantly. I was relieved and went home, leaving my siblings puzzled. As they had all gathered at the hospital's waiting room, I told them it is okay now. Jesus has rescued him. True enough, when morning came, he was out of danger and was transferred to a normal ward. His fever and blood pressure had gone down to normal after midnight, about the time when Jesus told the demons to leave. In and out of hospital for the next few years, he had many close shaves with death. But each time, I would plead with God and he got out of it. I asked my pastors to visit him, but he told my sister to warn me that if I sent anyone to preach to him, he would throw them out one by one. He did, did that twice. After that, I was too afraid to ask him anymore as I somehow believed that the third time would be his last chance to accept Jesus. A happy and sad moment. It was about three years later I got married and moved out. On one of my weekly visits to see my father, 
The Holy Spirit prompted me to ask if he had received Christ as his Saviour. I was a bit worried, but I took that step of faith with a bit of trembling and apprehension. Ba, do you believe in Jesus? I asked meekly in Teochew, expecting a telling off. My father gave me a wicked smile, knowing my worries and fears, and said these three beautiful words in our Teochew dialect that I'll never ever forget. Hua Xiang Sing, which means I believe. Apparently, he had been visiting the Church of Singapore nearby secretly to listen to the weekly sermon conducted in another Chinese dialect. I did not know that he has been plagued with fear over his soul, for he was such a strong man who believed only in himself. I was overjoyed. On the way home, however, my heart grew heavy and I cried like a baby in a car. My husband was puzzled. Isn't this something you have prayed and yearned for for so long? Why am I so sad? He's going home to the Lord, I replied. I felt the same heaviness and foreboding in my heart the night before my mother passed away. I begged the Lord to give us more time with him. My mother had only three days as a Christian, I, ple I pleaded. And he did. My father died three months later at the age of 79. What I planted, he nurtures in the dark. I learned the power of praying and believing and to share what God had shown me, testimonies of God's love and faithfulness, even in the face of rejection and threat. The Lord taught me this. Prayers are like seeds planted in the dark soil, no longer visible and sometimes even forgotten. But he continues to work on the planted seed in the dark. The sun baths the soil with the warmth the seed needs, and the rain sends water. He gently nurtures and protects that seed until it is able to break out of its hard shell. First, roots reach out to the water beneath. Then one day, suddenly, fresh shoots break up from the ground. Its beauty and the life in it visible for all to see. My job is to pray and I leave the Lord to do the saving. Simple. Challenged by siblings, but another salvation. Hallelujah. My brothers were very displeased at my father's funeral when I refused to participate in the Taoist rites they have organized, which they believe was to pay for spirits, not to block his entry into the next life with hell money and chanting and as, and as a mark of filial piety. I reason with them. To me, my father does not need any of it because he is with the Lord in heaven. As for filial piety, it is how we treat our parents when they are alive that is important, not when they are no longer with us. I challenged them. Can anyone say that they have treated our parents better than me when they were alive? No one uttered a word because they know how much I have loved and cared for my parents. According to our Chinese tradition, the sons have the right to decide on the funeral rites. As for me, my father is with Jesus. That was all I cared about and all that was important. They have to respect my beliefs as much as I accord them their rights. I was pregnant with my first child then. One of my brothers charged at me, wanting to hit me. But I stood up to him while the rest of my siblings held him back. 
I boldly told him off. If you lay hands on me, I will call the police. My second eldest sister, Irene, well respected by everyone, spoke up. She told everyone that my father has accepted Christ like I said. He had told her privately of his salvation a few months earlier and how the Lord had set him free. Apparently, he had been plagued with fear after my mother's death. His body was quaking with fear as he told her that he will end up in Hades for the many pigs he had to slaughter as he was a butcher and a pig trader. If he had a choice, he said, he wouldn't have chosen this line of business. But after so many failed attempts in business, that was the only thing that had worked for him, and he had so many mouths to feed. Irene, a staunch atheist then, also accepted the Lord as a saviour years after my father's passing. She was the first of siblings to pass on after her bout with cancer. I still miss my parents after so many decades of their passing. I used to dream about them, and they always look younger, more beautiful, healthier and happier. I look forward to the day when I will see all of them again. I know I will. Today, many of my siblings have come to know the Lord after God revealed himself in his own miraculous ways, and they have tasted the, his great love. I'm still praying for the salvation of the rest of my siblings. I know Jesus is with me on this. Salvation of my boyfriend, who later became my husband. I feel at this point, I should also talk about my boyfriend, C.H. At Boone's Ladies Bible Study Fellowship, the women who attended were much older, married, divorced or widowed, and were Christian converts for a much longer time than I was. I was a single woman, younger by decades, and just starting out in my career. I was completely out of place, it seemed. But God had planned it all. He showed me the sadness and struggles of some of these women with an unbelieving husband in all stages of their lives, even when they have become grandmothers. God convicted me then of what was taught in the Bible, that believers are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I understood. In the past, this rebellious spirit would never have subscribed to rules especially to what is irrational or unreasonable. I would have argued that as long as my boyfriend respects my beliefs, so I should respect his. But this time, I understood. God did not set rules just to control me or to restrict my personal freedom. Rather, I saw his rules and laws as protecting me, written by a wise and loving father, guiding me from making a dreadful mistake in my life that would bring me a lot more pain and difficulties in the long run. My boyfriend was raised in a devout Buddhist family and had no passion like I have for Jesus, even after knowing my testimony. By then, I had fallen head over heels in love with the Lord. We were already drifting spiritually and emotionally apart, and I knew I could not spend the rest of my life like those sad women. I had to choose between Him and God. I went to Boone and asked her to pray for me. Crying very hard, I told her I've decided to break up with CH. It was very painful for him too because we were very much in love, having dated for about four years since university. I tried to explain to him that Jesus now is my first love. He protested angrily. This is so unfair. I knew you before you knew Jesus. 
Despite his pleas and reasoning, my mind was made up. I know this will be the best for both of us. It was some months later that he contacted me one day. He has gone to church on his own to find out about this Jesus who has stolen my heart. God touched him and melted his heart too. His spirit was not the same again. And I waited and asked God for three confirmations that his salvation is real and not just a ploy to get me back. God did so, leaving no room for doubt. I'll share about that in a book on marriage in future. The long and short of it, we got married with the blessings of the Lord and produced three beautiful children. We are still happily married to this day after more than 30 years of marriage, which I personally believe is because I chose God over him. Jesus still is and forever will be the number one love of my life. Perspective As the Lord leads me to reflect on my painful childhood years, I find myself candidly confronting the deep-seated emotions evoked in me. Now that I've entered into my 60s, I realize that I'm able to see the past from a much broader perspective. I began to be more understanding and appreciative of the stress and pressure my parents were facing in raising such a big family in such trying times, and the human frailty of my siblings and also my own shortcomings. I'm thankful that the Lord had led me on the path of forgiveness and wholeness. Typical of Him, He has always a way of making a bad situation work out for good. One of the biblical characters that I identified with most was Joseph, the son of Jacob. In one class learning about spiritual stuff, I saw a vision of Jesus putting a glowing vest on me. If I remember correctly, it was a long vest with short sleeves. I told the instructor and pastor about it. He smiled and said it was a Joseph anointing, but because it was short sleeve, it was a smaller version. The pastor asked me to read a section in his book on the anointing of Joseph. I cried a bucket. I identified with Joseph totally. His story is told in Genesis 37 to 45. Except, of course, he had suffered a lot more from the cruel actions of his siblings. Indeed, looking back, just like what Joseph said, that what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. I realized how God had forged my character through it all and made me a strong and driven person, still very grounded in principles, but this time by his principles. These principles had served me well in my career and in my life. In the decades that followed after my parents passed on, many of my siblings have come to me for help when they were in, so when they were in all sorts of distress, health, marriage, children, financial, emotional, etc. They saw in me the hope in Christ and the strength that they do not possess to overcome these challenges. Although it took some years, some of my sisters have apologized for the hurt they have inflicted upon me. The sister who hit me and told me I should have never been born called me from the hospital bed one day to help her accept the Lord as his personal saviour. In the past, she had rained insults and threats on me when I converted to Christianity, which was considered a betrayal to our Asian roots. Together with my brothers, she had been worshipping an idol, which apparently had the power to make them win the lottery. She told me it gave her a lottery strike of $5,000, but she had to suffer five years for it. 
leading her to near death and to the breakdown of her marriage. Today, Esther is liberated from her past issues and bondage and is a wonderful and caring person, faithfully serving in her church. Best of all, she took over the management of our sickly and handicapped brother, Sam, whom I have looked after for many years after our parents have passed on. I'm so grateful for that because those have been really difficult years. My sisters and I are the best of friends today. We laugh and cry together, we argue and fight sometimes, but we always end up being amused rather than offended because we know each other, what's and all, oh so well. We talk a lot, eat a lot, celebrate a lot. They play mahjong while I watch, we feast on durians when in season, we go on trips together, always looking forward to the next vacation, which we have been going on for some years now. With my brothers, I have no animosity towards them, and I have stepped in to help them and their children when they are in need. It is pure joy. I thank God for my husband, my children and my siblings, especially my sisters. Family is a wonderful thing. I thank God for how life had turned out for me and for them all because of His great love and His tender mercy. How did you like this episode or the season so far? If you do enjoy it, can I ask a small favor? Would you please consider to leave a review at Apple Podcast so more believers can find our podcast and enjoy God's love? Also, just a reminder, you can always connect with us through our website, communityofbrokenspirit.org, or we have Instagram account and Facebook page with the same name. Again, that's a communityofbrokenspirit.org. We are looking forward to serving you in the coming up episodes and also through the platforms. God bless. Hi there. If you found that this episode resonates with you or if you would like to share your story, please drop a review at Apple Podcast. It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content of this podcast. By doing so, you will also help more people find this podcast. If you are interested, we also have a blog at communityofbrokenspirit.org. Again, it's a community of brokenspirit.org where we post twice a week stories and parts of our members' journals from past and present years. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter.